Welcome to Parenting That Kid. My name is Ashley Tolliver. As a mom of twins, one being a highly sensitive child who responds to the world in a non-traditional and sometimes challenging way, I understand the desire to find the golden answer. Maybe there is no golden answer, but there are resources, tips, and tricks we can all use to help us make this uniquely normal parenting journey a little more fun. This podcast is a roadmap to parenting that kid for myself and other parents. If recording my journey as I seek a clear starting point, community, and effort to normalize what sometimes feels abnormal supports at least one parent, then my time is not wasted. And hey, if it doesn't, well, there's documented proof that moms deserve a glass of wine. Cheers! Are you worried about your ADHD child and their success in this world? Stop right there. This episode is for you. My guest today, Yakini Pierce, is a highly educated professional diagnosed at the age of 45 with ADHD. Her passion and focus is so clear when it comes to advocating for parents and other ADHD individuals through her ADHD Love platform. At the end of this episode, you're going to feel solid to the ground and belief that your ADHD child is going to be just fine in this world. Yakini Pierce holds an MBA in with degrees in engineering and mass communications, along with being a single mother to two children with ADHD. This episode is packed with lots of practical ideas on how to handle school and learning issues, all with realism, optimism, and a well-honed sense of humor. Ha, humor. Something I kind of think we need if we're going to be parenting any child. Yakini leaves us with a final message. Love and care for yourself. You're doing the best you can. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome Yakini Pierce to Parenting That Kid. So thank you for joining me today. I am so thrilled. I know we talked for a few minutes before this episode here, and I just said that you have an energy about you that just drew me to you automatically. And just like, it just spoke to me. It was like, this lady gets it. She, she sees the world the way I feel like I'm seeing it. And I just love it. I love what she's sharing. And so that's why I asked you to join me. So thank you so much for coming on my podcast today. I think other parents and moms and educators, just anybody who is exposed to ADHD is going to learn a lot from you today. I think you you have so much value. So thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely, Ashley. Well, thank you for inviting me. I think we're going to have a blast. Yay, me too. Um, okay, so I always need to know, who are you? What do you do? Give us a little bit of about yourself. I know you're a mom. I know you're a professional because one of the things I think attracts me to what you're sharing is that you have experienced ADHD throughout your childhood, adulthood, and it's just still a part of your life. And um, I was attracted to the side of your educational experience with ADHD as a parent now having children living that similar path. Um, and then of course, I know that you're, um, you're all over social media and that's amazing so that people can get your information. So yeah, if you can give me a little bit of a rundown, I'd love to learn more. Yeah. So, um, I'm Yakini Pierce and I am a single mom to two children. Uh, my Otis will be 12, actually this month, my girl, mm-hmm. and she was diagnosed with the inattentive type just last year. And then my mm-hmm. son uh, is, he's going to be 10 in March, and he was diagnosed first with the hyperactivity impulsive type. So he is almost five. And so my, my just general background today, I am a global product manager. I work for an electrical manufacturing company and I have a few degrees. So I have a engineering degree, materials engineering, a um, 
mass communications degree. So you get to, as you can see, we're already on opposite sides of the spectrum. <laughs> so my left and right brain there. <laughs> and, um, last year, I just graduated with my um, MBA. So wow, um, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and it was actually pretty crazy last year, you know, being a single mom, dealing with ADHD and um, going to school. So it was it was pretty crazy in the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like such a heavy load, but I I am so impressed that you, well, <laughs> that you have so many degrees and that you have that and then you are a parent, a single parent doing this um, journey. That's just amazing. And um one of your videos that you shared, you talked about your experience and how going through school, having ADHD yourself, and that's kind of what attracted me to you because I am a parent looking at my kids going, what's our world gonna be like, or what is their world gonna be like in 10, 15 years? And um, knowing that there's hope, it sounds really sad, but there's hope at the other end of this that it's not going to just feel this heavy all the time was really enlightening for me to listen to you. Um, I think when I mentioned to you that I have twins and when I they were newborns, I would look at moms with older twins and go, oh, they're making it, they're surviving. And so I kind of looked at you going, okay, she did this. And that's why I wanted you on here. So thank you so much about that. Do you mind sharing a little bit of your educational story? Um, what challenges you had? When did ADHD kind of start affecting your life? Maybe when you realized it or when your parents started to notice it and what they went through with that? Yeah, so my story is actually, I will say, it's very typical to the, the girls that are missed. So hmm. I didn't know anything about ADHD growing up. I was just diagnosed last year at 45 years old. And, um, and I was only, I only decided to get tested because my children uh, were going through the process. And I saw a lot of what was going on with them within me when I was growing mm -hmm. up. So growing up, I struggled. I mean, I struggled with um, being bored a lot and, and uh, falling asleep in class and talking a lot and fidgeting and um, being the one to never sit still. So I, you know, even though sometimes I would play with my friends and sometimes even if I didn't play with my friends, I was always outside walking around mm -hmm. the house or, you know, just playing by myself. Um, and, you know, speaking of that, and sometimes I also had relationship issues. So it was really interesting because I always felt and it was a lot of it was perceived because my mom always told me that I had a lot of friends, but sometimes I always felt that I, you know, I was like friendshipless, right? So even though I was hanging out with people, I didn't always know how to connect with them. And that's why today it's so important for me to connect with people. Um, and I think that's why I love people so much is because I struggled connecting with people growing up. So there was a lot of things looking back that said, wow, that is why I was experiencing that was because all this time I had ADHD. I mean, huh. school, I never understood why I was not getting the grades in school and I would try so hard. Why did I have to read my English book, you know, five times to understand <laughs> a particular topic? and or concept. I mean, it just blew my mind how much work that I put in and was not getting the same grades. And don't get me wrong. The reason why, and a lot of people will say this, and the people that I've interviewed said this, the reason why I will say there's two things, um, why I did not get notice or um, I, I wasn't, you know, a complete failure is because I did decent in school, right? So mm -hmm. I got a lot of A's and B's, maybe a mm -hmm. couple of C's. 
throughout my whole um, my whole grade school. So I mean, I did pretty well. And the other thing that I that was a blessing for me, and I talk about my parents all the time, is that my parents were a blessing. So mm. even though we didn't know I had ADHD, we just knew that I was struggling with certain things. So they put certain things in place. Ironically, um, those are the same strategies we would use for kids that have ADHD. Little things like you know, putting things in a schedule and writing a list down and, mm-hmm. you know, to help me remember things. So um, I was truly blessed to have parents that just got me and was really in tuned with my needs. And that was very helpful throughout school. Wow. So blessed. That's amazing. And it's stuff you probably use with your own kids now, but knowing the benefits of it and they were just doing what they, you know, kind of winging it, like, let's see if this works. And it did not knowing that it had anything to do with ADHD. That's so good. Um, you you mentioned about the fact that you would just fall asleep. Did you ever feel like you were doing the work, but you weren't really doing the work in your head? This is a, something that I see from my children and I've heard from other parents with ADHD saying they do it, but then they just can't um, reciprocate it back to me when I ask them questions. And I always wonder, is that the ADHD kicking in that you know, you can read an entire page and then go, wait, what did I just read? Or I'll ask my daughter, what did you just do? And she's like, well, I don't oh, no. know. <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh goodness. We don't know that we have to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Was oh, that yeah. similar to your experience? That's even my experience today. I mean, okay. I am. So yes, that was my experience in grade school where I would read something over and over again. And there were certain things like I had to do. I would have to read it through. I mean, I just would have to take time to read it through and then I would have to read it out loud. And then if I didn't understand still, then I would go to whether it be a classmate or my teacher or my professor, depending on the situation, um, to talk to them about what I just read. Wow. <laughs> because yeah. I just could not absorb it. Now, if it was a novel, <laughs> <laughs> I would be able to tell you every piece, every page, (laughs) everything that happened. But when it came to math, physics, you know, social studies, history, oh yeah, it was just, I mean, it just took me a lot to absorb that information. Yeah, that seems to be, I guess I find that unique to ADHD. It's to other things too, but I feel like that's where it hits our family the most um, because it's, it's clear in those moments that there's nothing else going into her little head at that time. Like we have to stop everything because otherwise you're just like beating her over the head and it's not working. So I like the the idea that you say, well, then you write it down and then go to the professor or, an, or a teacher, whoever else it might be. That's nice to hear it, see it and physically experience it by writing it down so that your brain can actually absorb the information and process it um, appropriately. What other adjustments have you made? So you've gone through schooling, lots of schooling. What other adjustments have you made either as an adult or maybe as a young child to help you get through, at the time you might not have known it was ADHD, but help you get through those um, challenges that ADHD has provided you in this life? Well, I mean, anytime I dealt with, let's just say um, personal struggles or relationship struggles, you know, like I said, I was really good at talking to my parents. you know, for the most part, just trying to get some feedback or trying to understand why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. Um, And then as I got older uh, and people, you know, 
don't talk about this enough, I don't think is, you know, going to therapy and just having someone there who is there to really help you through your day to day or through your family matters or help you heal whatever the situation may be. Um, but when I dealt with all those type of issues, being able to have somebody just kind of talk me through certain things and put plans in place to make them better, that was very helpful. Um, mm -hmm. So talking to people has been there and the right people and healthy people, right? So not right. being and not being in communities that um, really would try to give you negative advice or gave, gave me negative advice. Um, uh, I try to avoid, you know, toxicity and re toxic, toxic relationships and just try to avoid that type of thing. Um, mm -hmm. But I just tried to make sure I was talking to the right people. Um, and then, uh, I mean, we talked about schooling. So, so oh, schooling, study groups, very, mm. very important to have. And this, even as young as my daughter, my daughter sometimes will um, work with her her uh, classmates. So they'll get on a Zoom call and they will work their homework problems together. And hmm. so, which really helps because if you kind of get off topic and it's good to always <laughs> have one or two people who are like the, I will say the, um, uh, the people that really keep everybody on point because if somebody <laughs> yeah. gets off a topic, they will say, okay, okay, let's, let's get back to our homework. Right. And, um, and that's been in my experiences. So, I mean, especially in all the colleges that I went to, the study groups were so important for me um, because like I said, whether I would get off topic or get tired or just simply had questions or, you know, like I said, I needed to talk through material that I read. Um, I had those people that were there. And then sometimes I just had people there, even if they weren't in my classes, just to have somebody working with me, right? So, because um, I would find that there are times when I can do certain subjects by myself, but then there are times when there are certain subjects that I just need somebody around me for mm -hmm. accountability. So almost like body doubling, right? That we talk right. about a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there was, there was a quite a few That's things great. I'm trying to think. Oh, and then, um, you know, getting involved in activities, right? I still, I'll admit, I will struggle with this today that I want to be involved in everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds right. <laughs> it just span is like, you know, two minutes and I want to dance and I want to act and then I want to, you know, go make an airplane and then I want to right. sign me up, up. <laughs> and I want to do it all professionally, right? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, um, so one of the things that I had to work through is really prioritizing my time. So, um, and not doing everything and figure out, okay, what are those core things I need to work on, be it at my job, be it in my personal life, not saying yes to everything. Um, what are those core things that I need to work on and only do those things and maybe a couple of things that I want versus trying to do everything and saying yes to everybody. So that was another skill set that I needed to work on was saying no and not doing everything. Mm. So that's a good mm. thing. Those are all so good. And that last one is so important. I think that's important whether you have ADHD or maybe you're even the parent of one, just learning to say no and giving yourself that break. <laughs> Your mind that needs that pause moment. Um, that's so good. I like the idea of the Zoom the Zoom study groups, even for a young one. I think you said your daughter was five. Is that correct? No, my daughter, um, she'll be 12. 12. Okay. Um, well, I know our little fourth graders and third graders at the school my kids go to, they all jump on Zoom together and do things. And I'm just always amazed that they take that initiative because it's, and I think they've 
seeing that that's helping them in school. Um, and as <laughs> school has adjusted so differently this last year, I think that's a wonderful way that these children have learned to accommodate their own struggles with, with the current situation. Um, so here's another one that I have a, <laughs> you said that helps your mind when you jump from like place to place or all over the place that if you have a body double there with you, that is so good. How, how can you explain a little bit more of what that means? Because I think we could use that more in our life everywhere, not just focusing on education. Yeah, so I actually just learned about the actual term body doubling recently in the ADHD community, even though I had been doing it most of my life. <laughs> but the ideal is that you pretty much have somebody, be it through Zoom or physically there, be there for you to get stuff done. Hmm. It doesn't have to necessarily be schoolwork. It could be doing chores. It could be writing a paper. It could be writing a blog for your website, whatever it is that you struggle with doing by yourself, you can have somebody there. So then that way you have some accountability um, and they don't have to say anything. You know, mm -hmm. it's just having the presence sometimes keeps people going. So um, I have done that. Like I said, my uh, the study group that I've had, we may not always have the same class, but just being able to study with someone there you know, they're working with you or they may not be working with you. They may be working on something totally different, but just having that accountability because you don't want to walk out saying that you didn't get your work done. Right. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> that's the important piece is that you want to make sure that you complete your work. So that's kind of what body doubling is. That's a great concept. I've um, never actually heard it. Well, I, I've heard in the last few months, but I've never really investigated it more. But I, I appreciate that. Um, that different support. And they, like you said, they don't have to be doing the same thing you're doing. They're just there to help you refocus on whatever your task is. Right. How did you had mentioned that your parents just started the scheduling and naturally just kind of fell into a way of supporting you. And they didn't know about ADHD for you or that you had that at that time. Now you're a parent raising children who have ADHD and obviously are in school. What kind of support or accommodations do you think parents should be asking for for their children, whether it's something that the school can do for their child or something that they should just start putting into place themselves as a parent? Yeah, so it really depends on the severity of the situation. So my children, um, I will say, may be two good examples. So my son, he needs, I will say, more one-on-one -on -one, um, type support. So he mm -hmm. meets with, he's on the IEP and he meets with his, um, they call it the inter, intervention specialist. And okay. he meets with her on a daily basis. They go over, first of all, the, the whole purpose of him meeting her first thing in the morning is to help him um, get ready for class energy wise. Because like I mm. said, he's the hyperactivity impulsive mm -hmm. type. So she pretty much prepares him um, to uh, get him, uh, become centered. So mm -hmm. sometimes they may do some type of sensory exercise. They mm -hmm. may do a yoga exercise. They may just have a conversation. They may read a book, um, but whatever it is, it just helps him prepare his morning. And then he meets with her three days a week in the afternoon, just to kind of touch base with him and do more mm -hmm. sensory exercises, et cetera. And mm -hmm. so um, those accommodations with the IEP are a lot harder to um, obtain, I mean, your child really has to be going through a 
more severe situation um, than you know other children. And then there's there's like the 504, the 504 plan. There's more children can be on the 504, and it also allows for accommodations, um, but it may not be as specific as the IEP, and they may not have somebody assigned. But the bottom line is whatever your situation, oh, and then my daughter, my daughter who is not on any plan, it's just more of having conversations with the teacher and just saying, these are the things that she needs help on. Can mm. we focus on this because of her ADHD? So those mm -hmm. are just more side conversations. Mm -hmm. So the idea is wherever your child is, advocate for them and talk to the appropriate people to get that support because a lot of teachers, believe it or not, do not know what ADHD is, do not understand ADHD if they have heard of it. Um, many of them do not really believe in it, use as, a, you know, just like some other people, they may think it's an excuse. Mm -hmm. And so you really have to be the one to advocate for them. And we were, so I end up, because of those situations, I end up having to change school systems, especially for, in the beginning, my, my daughter, um, I actually discovered ADHD with my daughter. Mm -hmm. And she, um, even though she wasn't able to get diagnosed because she was only four at that time, she was really having a hard time, you know, in the daycare systems. And then I ended up having to change daycare systems. And then my son started to show signs. So then I, they were in a Montessori school and the Montessori school couldn't support them. So I went to a school that could. So I actually had to look for accommodations. I had to search to see what school had certain accommodations specifically for children with ADHD. Wow. So you have to do the research, you have to, you know, advocate for them, you have to have the conversations, you have to set the meeting, um, because one of two things are going to happen, your child is going to get lost in the shuffle, um, mm -hmm. and be totally missed, or they're going to be, depending on the situation, so if they're inattentive, they may get lost in the shuffle, or if they are the hyper, they may just be considered as a bad kid, which you don't mm -hmm. want either. It's made a huge difference with my child's confidence since he's hmm. moved to a school system that truly supports him and loves him, right? I mean, they show love for him and Yay. he is such a, I mean, just a smart, strong little boy. Um, he's got to do the announcements as a fourth grader twice. I mean, that's <laughs> huge for him. I mean, he, all of these things have just, I mean, he has grown to this just wonderful little boy because I advocated for him and because he was put on this plan. And so, um, yeah, so you just, you just gotta take that step to, to, as a parent, you just gotta fight for your kid. And if you don't have the means, I have the means to move school systems, right. um, then you can look for, sometimes there's advocates within the um, city um, mm -hmm. sometimes that can come in. Sometimes um, people have used like their pastors from church um, so if there's any other person that can support you and help advocate, I would bring those people in. So whatever you can do to get your child the right accommodations. Yeah. Wow. I, that's amazing. Yeah. You fought for that little boy and now you have, you have good things to say that are just so fabulous. Advocating is so hard on parents because we just fight, right? We see what our child needs and we work really hard to make that happen. And as you said, sometimes there isn't um, this awareness about whatever you're advocating for, in this case, ADHD. 
Um, and it can wear you down as a parent. And I'm speaking personally to that. You just kind of feel beaten down after a while, but you know, you get back up, you're a mom and you're just going to do it. You just keep on going. What would, um, what would you say to parents to who need to support themselves when they're trying to advocate? Because this is, um, yeah, it's, it's hard when you're a parent with, with children with ADHD and you're fighting so intensely for them. Sometimes we forget about our own selves. How would you suggest that parents support themselves going through this? Yeah, and that was something that I struggled with um, for a very long time is really finding that support. I really felt alone in this process and there's nothing worse feeling like you are the only one that is going through this, not realizing until later that 11% um, of children, at least the, the most recent statistics, at least for the US, you know, are diagnosed with ADHD. And so that means there's a lot of parents out there who are going through that, but I didn't know that. And I felt like I was the only one that was going through this, right? And so finding a good, healthy community, um, people who understand where you're coming from and just get you, be it online, be it in your local, um, your, your neighborhood. So like we have a, a program here, it doesn't specifically, they don't specifically just deal with ADHD, it's just children who have mental illness. So parents get together and have different types of programs. So we have a local support group here and actually the lady who leads it right now is the advocate for this school district. So, you know, we can go to her if we have questions and um, bring her into conversations if we don't know how to advocate. And okay. so, um, so, finding that local communities, online communities, and I stress healthy communities only mm -hmm. because when I started looking for communities, there are very unhealthy situations where people will ask questions and um, they were, you know, basically torn down for their answers or for their questions, not for their answers. And so, um, so you got to find people who are going to really support what you need, help you get through your certain situations, um, you know, you, you and good or bad. I mean, some people are going to challenge you and that's okay, but um, you want to be able to be open. You want to be able to talk through your particular situation, have somebody give you some feedback or sometimes just listen. Um, because sometimes I just want somebody just to listen about my frustrating day with my children, right? right. <laughs> just, right. And then I feel better and I'm good. <laughs> Right. Just listen. That's all we need. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's so good. Just have a listening ear. It's kind of like that bodily body doubling again. Just somebody right there. Yep. So good. Okay. So this is the last question I have that I think every parent needs to know about. Do you have any secret tools in your toolbox, any items or tasks that you um, suggest parents provide for their little ones in school? Oh, yes. And and before I get to that, I forgot yep. once you said that, I forgot to say self-care. So make sure you take care of yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've got to take care of you. So yeah. if you are home with your children all the time, if they nap, take that 15 minutes and take a nap for yourself. If you, you know, in my case, my children see their dad every other weekend. So I take that weekend to really have some time for myself, you know, depending on where you're living and where you're listening. Um, and how severe the COVID situation is, you might be able to bring um, a sitter in, find a sitter and just go out for a couple hours, whatever you need to do, whatever is self-care for you, you've got to take care of yourself. So that's the other piece. Um, now, as far as just general tools uh, for the kids, I mean, there are, um, what I'll say, there are 
uh, uh, physical tools. So you have tools like um, fidgets and um, my, my, my youngest, he uses a pillow. So because he huh. tends to instead of, so he doesn't get up and walk around, they put him on a pillow so he can mm -hmm. move around. Um, he is able to chew gum. Um, so being able to chew the gum actually ironically keeps him from, you know, doing other things. So something about the gum, I still don't understand it, but, <laughs> but work, it seems to work. Yeah, it's working. <laughs> that pressure in his jaw. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then, like I said, he meets with a specialist on a daily basis. He has sensory, um, they have a sensory room. So when I say sensory room, it's, you know, they may have him, you know, climb certain things or touch, uh, you know, like the balls. I don't know if you've ever seen the balls that have like the, um, they're like little spikes, but like, but not, not hard spikes. It's just like a rubber ball. So they can just kind of touch and feel it. So they have just different sensory activities and he can choose like three activities he's going to do in that short amount of time. Um, when he, you know, when your child needs a break, scheduling breaks, um, when they were doing at school, they had scheduled break or at school, my son had scheduled breaks. But then when he was uh, learning virtual, I scheduled the breaks. So mm -hmm, I made sure mm -hmm. that he took his, you know, 10, 15 minutes, got away from his computer, walked around, played a game with me, you know, just whatever, just to give him a sensory break. Okay. Um, so there's just, just so many different tools. I mean, you can get online and just look at, you know, what type of, um, like I said, physical tools or mental tools. I mean, sometimes just uh, walking around the hallways was good for him or uh, going to see the specialist, having a quick talk was good. Um, but there are just so many different things that you can do just to give them some balance within their day. Now, one of the things, it, it also depends if your child is on you know, medication or not. So, um, so for me, my child is on medication, which means that there is an up and down period, right? So in the mm -hmm. mornings and in the evenings, he's more energetic than he is throughout the day. So I have different tools that I have to use. He has certain, like his day is really structured. He has certain tasks that he has to do in the mornings and certain tasks he has to do in the afternoons, you know? So he gets his breakfast and he, I mean, there's just certain orders to his day. He reads yeah. in the morning. Um, so he knows what he's going to do. And I do the same thing in the afternoon. So that is really helpful to have like a schedule, especially during their more excited time. And yeah. so that just kind of keeps, um, you know, his day very fluid. And my daughter's on a schedule also. I like that idea that you have schedules during the active times. And I find, and you probably find this in your house too, when the active times are happening, that's when, if you are not staying on task or your schedule that you've created, that's when everything feels like it just completely falls apart. And then it's too much and overwhelming for their little bodies and their little minds. Um, but I never looked at it as the actual scheduling in my head. I, was, I always just was like, okay, we're going to do this and this and this. And I have the schedule in my head, but not yeah. for them. Do your children use those little laminated schedules? We are addicted to those. <laughs> We've got my pantry floor is covered right now because they didn't clean it up this morning of their schedule, all the extras that we aren't doing today. And they have um, each task laminated and then has Velcro on the back. So that they know what their tasks are. Have you ever used those with your that with your children? No, it's funny you say that because I I was thinking about that, but then what I did is I created so they have like their like at the beginning of the, um, the school year, and then I do mm -hmm. this at the beginning of the summer. I just like literally hand draw 
a weekly schedule for them and stick it on the refrigerator. Ah. And then on top of that, if anything is going to be a little bit different, then I have a, um, now I just bought some new ones where they each have a notepad and it's a Mac and notepad that you can just write like a grocery list on, right? Mm-hmm. They, they use that to write down what they're going to do that day and they just check it off as they go. So, yeah. Yep. I like that. You know, I didn't, you know, the summertime, that's probably the hardest one for me because summer feels like it should be freedom, which is so hard for my little guys, ADHD brains. It just doesn't work that well. They still need consistency and some kind of rhythm that they can predict. Exactly. No, that that's, you know what, you really brought up a good point, Ashley, because that's exactly how I felt when I first started this process um, or getting into a process. I felt the same way too. It's like, okay, let's just, let's just be free, right? Let's just allow them to do whatever. And then I realized that it was just like, just this running train. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, we're going to, so I schedule and then they, plus they have to do, I hate to say this, but it was like some, you know, work for school. So Mm -hmm. like they had so many hours they needed to read by the end of the summer. So I would schedule those then. So they would do some school work and then they would have some play time but all of that even their play time was scheduled okay you're gonna play mm-hmm. from here to here <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yes yes you know you think freedom and then you go no ooh, that's actually not freedom for them that's that's like like you said it's a running train for them somebody's got to stop that exactly all right well do you have any other words that you can share that are so immaculate because i'm i'm absorbing it all i'm taking notes as you're talking um <laughs> So do you have anything else you feel like we should all be taking in and trying to incorporate in our lives with our children that are in school with ADHD and, you know, at home now with that? No, the only thing I would say is just be kind to you um, Mm -hmm. as parents, because I think we just beat ourselves up for, you know, making errors or trying things that are not the same as what other parents do who have um, neurotypical child or children and Mm-hmm. I think we just need to give ourselves um, a break. And I think we just need to be kind to ourselves and just remember, this is not an easy journey. It's, you know, we're going to have struggles and, you know, parents, especially those parents who are looking for information, listening to your podcast, you are doing the best you can. And I just want you to know that. I mean, you are I, I can, I mean, the fact that you're even listening to this, that tells me that you want to do the best for your child. Mm-hmm. So just love yourself, give yourself some patience, give yourself a break and know that you are doing the best that you can. So that's it. Yeah, that's good. Well, you had said earlier on self-care and I think that falls into self-love. You right. To love yourself, you have to care for yourself and to care for yourself, you have to love yourself. Right. Um, and, and your children see that they pick that up and uh, I'm similar in your case that I just can't say no. And and my kids see that and go, well, you're here and there and doing everything else. I'm like, oh, I know. And your little brain is trying to keep up with that. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I'm sure my brain's not keeping up with it. Yours is probably like, what's going on? Oh, well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing all your tips. Can you give um, a loop around to your podcast, your blogs, your YouTube channels, any and everything where people can find you? Yeah, so they can find me on Instagram at ADHD Love 2020. They can find me on Facebook at ADHD Love 2020. I do have a YouTube channel, um, ADHD Love. 
And then I do have a merchandise store. Um, it's www.adhdlove2020.com. And eventually I plan to move all of my YouTube videos to a podcast. And my goal is to do it this month. So eventually you'll be able to find yeah. me through the local podcast channels. So. Yay. Yay. Well, I think that doing YouTube is great because there's something about the personal face-to-face -face connection with somebody um, that helps. So I don't get rid of them off of that. If once you move it to podcast, keep it over there too. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And I, I just look forward to keep learning from you. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you, Ashley. And you know, you have to come see me. You have to come on my show. So it's your I'm, turn. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's do it. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for listening today. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. This podcast is for you, the parent of that kid. So go ahead, tell me what you liked about this episode. Give me some ideas on what you'd like to hear. Maybe you have somebody you'd like me to ask those nitty gritty questions to. I'm ready. Oh, and if you have a friend who is also the parent of that kid, click that share button and empower them with some tools and tips as well. And by the way, imperfect parent, I know parenting that kid is hella hard, but I'm telling you it's worth it. You are rocking this parenting journey.